from days of long ago comes a legend. You have walked into the room of Fireback Radio. You can find us online at firebackradio.com. And of course, I'm your host, Brother Marquise. This is Brother Marquise, and you are listening to the best show that you've ever heard, and that's Fireback Radio. And today, I just wanted to just tip tip my hat to the people who produce the NBA and the the NFL and all of these other sports doing the Corona virus outbreak or whatever it is that we're doing. You know, I find it pretty odd that we can actually enjoy sports and not think about what exactly is going on. And I want, I want you to think about something here. What we have here is and and it an illusion that's going on right before your eyes it is like the police it is like features in your car it is like that uh that camera that's sitting on a light pole in the middle of nowhere and the police will tell you it's for your own security now what you hear in the background that is my uh special guest <laughs> that I just pulled in just literally right off the street. Just so happens I know this gentleman is Calvin Baker. Calvin Baker's with me, y'all. And we're going to discuss some interesting things about this NBA, in, uh, NFL football situation that we're doing. Right now it's the 13th of September and it is Sunday, y'all. It is Sunday. Football Sunday! And everybody is in the background hooping and hollering because they are sucked into the grandeur, which is televised football, televised sports. So, Alvin, are you with me? Now, you and I were just talking about this, man, about what's happening. Tell me again, what do you see about this uh, sports situation with the, with the crowds and everything else? Here's, here's my whole observation of the thing. So let's let's actually turn back couple days ago when uh, the first game of the season actually went on and that was the game on Thursday night between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans right right so because it's the first game of the season because they normally you know the NFL has all their grandeur and pomp and circumstance and all that stuff that they do as far as the uh it's a show, you know, that's, let's just put it out there for what it is for all, you know, intents and purposes. It's an entertainment show, just like any other show that's on TV. In fact, Jerry Jones has, you know, famously been known to say that, you know, as long as he's, he's, he's good with the fact that the Dallas Cowboys have traditionally been, been the number one show on television. Every single week yeah. of the football season, especially he doesn't he doesn't have so so much of a problem with the fact that they haven't won a, a won a, a championship in twenty years. He's fine with the fact that he's the number one rated show on television during the football season because those high ratings 
get him high dollars every week, which is why he's the most, uh, the highest valued sports franchise in all of the world. And this is among all the soccer teams and all of that stuff. So that's, that's the main thing is that the NFL mm-hmm. is, um, is an entertainment company, just like the NBA, just like, uh, all the other sports leagues. And they're no different than Warner Brothers or Fox or in fact, Fox puts on that entertainment. Right. And so, uh, so what it boils down to is the fact that, uh, going back to Thursday night, uh, the NFL is trying to present you with their brand of entertainment. They uh, decided all of a sudden that they wanted to get behind the movement and support brothers. And, you know, because, hey, uh, black lives do matter to the NFL now that it seems to be the most popular thing to say. That's real slick, right? Yeah, yeah, real slick, real slick. Now, nevertheless, Colin Kaepernick's still not working in the league, and they tried to do that little sham workout a few months ago. But, you know, they're okay because they did put him in the latest mat. So it's all good, right? Mm. Everything's cool. Racism is over. So uh, going back to Thursday night, they go ahead and they do the presentation before the game. And the players, I guess, had some discussion about what they wanted to do. And they decided to do a show of unity and equality by everybody, both teams meeting out in the middle of the field. And, uh, and, and, you know, kneeling down or whatever it was they were doing. I wasn't playing too, paying too close attention, but I was kind of, I did have it on in the background. So, uh, from the standpoint of watching it on television, you hear the crowd in the background. Yeah, cheering. I heard that about the booze. I heard that. Yeah, well, actually, on television, you didn't even hear any booze. Exactly. Go ahead. I know where you're going. You heard no booze on, on TV. If anything, you heard. It was kind of like a murmur, almost like a cheer, Mm -hmm. but there were no booze on television. Now, at the same time, I'm listening to the sports talk radio show, uh, The Odd Couple, and on there, they actually have the real feed, the live feed. They heard the booze. So they're on radio talking about, hey, this is BS, man. They up here booing equality. They're booing equality. Let's have a show of equality, but no, we're going to boo it because we're a bunch of rednecks from uh, from Missouri. So, so basically, what they're really trying to say is, hey, let's not have that interfere with our entertainment. We just want to get on with what? The show. We just want to get on with the show. Mm-hmm. Boo your equality, boo your problems, boo to all of that outside noise. No, we just want the show to get started because we've been locked up all these months. We ain't had nothing to watch, nothing to do. And now we just want to get our most popular brand of entertainment going. So, hey, let's get on with the show. So here we are Sunday. We're watching TV. We're watching these, 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 uh, new quarterbacks on the scene. We're watching some of these old quarterbacks doing their thing. And yet we get the wide shots of the stadium mm-hmm. and we don't see no fans there. Yeah. But yet when we're watching the television screen and we're watching the shots on the, on the field, what do we hear? We hear, we hear that, what, what we call in the business that ambient noise of a right, crowd. Right. 
See, me and you know what that's all about. The people in the entertainment and media know what that's all about, that ambient noise. Mm -hmm. You know, back in the day when we used to go out on the production shoots, what we do at the end of the shoot, everybody stay quiet. I'm going to get like 30 seconds of ambient noise in this room. (laughs) Right. Okay, go. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So that's what they're doing. They're just pumping in the ambient noise so that they can provide some form of normalcy for the person that's watching at home because now the majority of the audience is at home. It's no longer, um, it's no longer a, a, a form of entertainment, uh, live theater entertainment for people that are at the theater. Now it's a live television event. Yes. So as a live television event, just like anything else on TV, you can create the illusion that you need to create to make people believe that they're watching something that's real. Now, sports is the most real thing that you can get on television. However, again, as you and I both know, when you see things on television, it doesn't matter if it's a live event, if there is somebody back there deciding what shots to take there is somebody back there saying hey frame this but leave that out of the picture so no matter what it is that you're watching on tv whether it's live or recorded or a chopped up uh, television show there is always somebody and they're usually called a director or a producer that are deciding what you get to see and the person that decides what you get to see is the person that is shaping your perception of the world. Mm, tell it. When that person shapes your perception, they're basically presenting you with whatever it is their presentation is intended to make you think or make you react how it wants you to react to something. Yeah. So you have to realize that this even extends to the evening news. So everything that we see on news is not really news. It's just what they want you to see to entertain you to keep you there. A what, what we call it what we call it is it is a package presentation and and that and that package present everything you said is correct. That package presentation can be guided to to fit a narrative that somebody would want you to receive. And, and we're not going to call it as, as it is sports, but sports is a situation to where they can make you believe something is there when it's something, when it's something is not. Right. So exactly. And so exactly. what you said earlier about, um, that, that illusion. And, and that's what I, that's why I alluded to earlier about this, the, the police department, the cameras and everything else, like these cameras that are mounted all over the place. Now, mind you, these cameras came about after 9-11, believe it or not. And and what a local representative told me, because I challenged her on these cameras. This woman told she's at the time, I believe she was in India. She's an Indianapolis City Council member at the time. She said, well, these these are temporary uh, cameras. And, and so, you know, me, I, I drove around counting cameras. Now, all of the cameras that I saw on 465, that's the beltway that goes around Indianapolis. I counted on one, 
either one half or one quarter, there were over 30 concrete mounted cameras. And, and that's, that was just on the highway, not to mention the ones that are on the streets that are, that are permanent or, or at least semi-permanent. And I, I drove across the country and I've been in places where there was nothing there except for a traffic light and a camera. And, and I asked a lot of people about this and they said, well, it's, it's for safety. The, it, brother, let me tell you something. It is not for safety. It is the illusion of safety. It gives you right. the illusion that, 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 um, you're in a safe environment. Look, I don't know about you, but a camera has never climbed down off the pole to rescue anybody. It is, it is not, it is not there for your safety. It is, it is the illusion of safety. And, and, and that's, that's where we are right now in the coronavirus bill. We are in this big illusion that is being presented in everything, in sports, in television, and even in how it is being, even, even in how the virus is being represented. It is an illusion. Now, I have seen certain numbers. I've seen the CDC come out recently and they said that out of this, out of the percentage that they got wrong, that much more smaller percentage. I think you and I may have talked about that. This, it, it was of the, of the percentage that they got wrong. The actual number is a percentage of the percentage of people who actually died from COVID. But yet, but yet you want me to continue to wear a mask. You want me to continue to uh, shut down the government, shut down now or shut down the government. Well, you really want to shut down all the jobs. And, and here in Indiana, they're talking about a slow rollout. They have a mask mandate in Marion County right now. I think it's, it should be lifted already, but just the fact that they had a mandate and these people still have signs. You can't come in here without a mask, dude. It is an illusion of, of safety because how is it that you're going to go into a gym with a mask on, take your mask off to exercise only to put it back on to walk out of the building? The same thing came. And I saw a sign that said you have to wear a mask coming in. And when you're not exercising, you have to wear a mask. The same thing. My wife and I went to eat Thai the other night. You have to wear a mask to go into the freaking facility. But right. you got to take your mask off to eat. Now, exactly. what, it, what kind of weed are these? What kind of weed are these people smoking? Because it is absolutely phenomenally ridiculous. And and I, I'm gonna just throw this on in there. I met a woman, white lady, and she was she and I were standing in line. I don't have a mask on. She don't have a mask. So I was I figured I'd go entertain myself. I rolled up to her and be like, um, excuse me. How come you don't have a mask on? And she turned around, when we turned around and said, because I'm not a sheep. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man. You know, I, I, I don't, you know, I can't deny, and neither one of us can deny that, you know, there are people that are getting sick and going to the hospital and, you know, and, and, and dying of this respiratory, uh, condition. Um, but what I would like to always remind people 
is that the numbers that I think that we're being presented with, and, and you have to keep in mind, Matt, I've, I've worked a number of years in uh, in news and television news, uh, working for an ABC affiliate and then for a Warner Brothers affiliate. And so, um, needless to say, just being behind the scenes all these years, you know, I kind of got burnt out on the whole thing and I just really don't pay attention to the news and to be perfectly honest with you I'm, I'm just fine I actually get up every morning and still you know still live a regular life uh, without without having to need, need the news I know who to vote for I know how to read um, you know so I mean there are other ways of getting information without being entertained every night by the um, the drama <laughs> well Drama, the news the drama. Was, the word I was actually going to use is the uh, the programming yes. box. Yes. Um, you know, if we go back to the original um, meaning of what uh, what Hollywood is, which is the tree that they would use to make uh, magic wands with, yeah, um, to cast a spell on somebody. Yes. So that's you know kind of the origins of the language of TV programming, and um, you know, and and. Man, that is absolutely true. Absolutely true. We're going to take a short break. You can find us online at firebackradio.com or check us out on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. We, we're all over the place. Firebackradio.com. girl hey it's your girl alicia the regular mama with the five dollar drama bringing you all things bling for any occasion shop 24 7 at goodgiftsboutique.us to find beautiful budget-friendly lead and nickel-free bling that makes both your heart and wallet sing then join me on facebook in the good gifts boutique vip room where this regular mama brings you all the five dollar drama People all over are looking for healthier options. My first recommendation is to visit naturalfrequencystore.com. That's where you will find healthier options from CBD to weight loss. These are patented, wearable frequency technologies, so there are no messy drops or bad-tasting concoctions. Everything is based on energy and frequency. So head on over to the Natural Frequency Store. That is naturalfrequencystore.com. Naturalfrequencystore.com. Fireback Radio. You can find us online at firebackradio.com. And of course, I'm your host, Brother Marquise. The, the, the 
know, different dude with TJ Hooker or whatever the cop show might be, where there's always some criminal that's a black kid that's always scared and crying and, but, you know, wants to be the tough guy when he's on the scene, you know, all that racist stuff that we used to see growing up on TV and and we still see it on TV today. You know, we still see it in the movies today and everybody wants to act like they're progressive. You know, all these Hollywood people want to, you know, you know, tote the liberal flag and act like they're so progressive, but yet they still put out racist material every day to uh, continue to promote the stigmatism of the threat of a young black male. Well, bro, and bro, so, check me out. Yeah. I wanted to give, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, put pen to paper and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to write, I'm going to send them a physical letter. I'm going to write the sci-fi channel because the, one of the reasons why you and I didn't have this conversation earlier, because my wife had me um, checking out the, she, she was watching something and I got caught up in the action sequence. But as I sat down and watched television, I, for the first time, real, I, I, this is what I took note of. I took note of the commercials. They ran commercials in, in, in where I saw a black person as the lead in two consecutive commercials. And it, it was, you know, for most people, white people in particular, they probably won't think twice. Uh, for, for some black people, they might, they might not even think twice. But for me, it stood out kind of, I was like, wait a minute. Did I just, and I told my wife, I said, did I just see two commercials back to back? Or I should say black to black? And, and, and my wife chimed in. She says, and, and this is, and this is not a black television show that we were watching. It, it, it wasn't BET that we were watching and the commercials weren't targeted to black people. They were just, it was a commercial and we were there. And, and my wife made a very interesting comment. She said, this is what we wanted in the first place. We're not really asking for everything, all the, the cake and ice cream. We just want to be present. Everything else, everything else will follow being present is that everything that you just said, there were no negative stereotypes whatsoever. It was just regular people doing regular things like freaking buying water or buying, you know, drinking a Bud Light or something like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to write. That's what it should be. That's exactly my point. That's exactly what it should be. Yeah. Now, you know, and, and that's the thing, like, it takes something like this for people to start, you know, looking at themselves and realizing, oh, am I am I part of the problem or am I part of the solution? Right. Some will re- never recognize that they're part of the problem. I mean, let's just face it. Some people, you know, white people that, you know, go through struggle themselves and, you know, have to work hard to get to where they are in life, uh, you know, may not look at our struggle as something that's special right. because they've had to struggle themselves. And that's understandable to the extent that in America, anybody who starts on the bottom is going to have to, you know, scrap and fight blood, sweat and tears, you know, 24 seven just to be able to get to the top. Mm-hmm. 
that's just how it is in America. And the fact is, is that if you do that, you can get there. Right. Let's not make no mistake about what the, what this country is all about. This country is all about capitalism. The laws are designed so that if you understand how to uh, use them in your favor, you can come up. But the problem is, is that there is already a system in place, a structure that exists that is hidden from the average person, the average white person walking the streets. Because they don't have to experience, they don't even know, in most cases, that they have a relative that's a racist. And that relative may be in charge of a company, or in uh, a lawyer, or a doctor, or a judge, to that extent. Somebody who has the power to make decisions for a population of people that they have no respect for. Mm. And so, you know, even my business partner, you know, I have a business partner right now. Uh, we do some deals together and, you know, she is a, a white conservative Christian and love her to death. She's a, a really good, good person. And we, you know, there are, but there's a lot of things that she does not understand about the black experience, but she's curious about it enough to actually ask the questions. Right. And I have other white friends. I'm in a real estate club, so I, you know, have there happens to be a good mix of people, but there's a lot of white people in there. Well, let, well, let me, well, let me ask you a question. Moderate. Let me, let me ask you a question. You are, are you the, are you the trusted Negro that they can come to for, for, to ask those questions? Cause you, you can't, as a white person, you just cannot roll up on anybody and be like, man, let me ask you a black question. You can't do that. Right. Cause right. I, I got a friend of mine. I got a friend of mine too. He, he tells me, he says, man, Marquise, he said, look, man, I'm the whitest white guy you ever want to meet. I know nothing about what happened, you know, how we got here. Can you, and, and the wonderful thing about this gentleman is the fact that his mind is open. And so that when I can, when I tell him things, it is easy for, for him to, Hear it, number one, and and at least try to filter it and understand it as best as he can. And then the the, the caveat to all of this is that he is not afraid to ask because of our relationship. You know, because we've we've gotten so you know we've gotten to a point to where he felt comfortable enough to ask me those probing questions that I'm sure ninety percent of white people. They're dying to ask that question, but they don't know any, they ain't close enough to black people to even ask a question that's, right. that can be somewhat personal, but it opens up the opportunity for them not to be so ignorant. Go ahead. Well, I'm, I'll tell you this. So where the club that I go to is a, um, the Inland Empire Real Estate Investment Club that's in Riverside, California. Mm-hmm. And so they have a sister club that's called the Black Inland Empire Real Estate Investment Club. So there are people, there are, you know, white, conservative white people that will go to the Black Inland Empire Club meetings. And it's through that connection 
that I've gotten to know these people on a more intimate level because it's one thing to be in a club together in the main club and you do have opportunities to get to know people but when you get into the smaller uh, sister club, black club it uh, kind of opens things up a little bit more obviously because then you know how you feel as a black person when you see that a white person is taking interest in what it is that you're doing and they're being open and honest about it so um so to answer your question uh i'm not sure if they felt comfortable enough to engage but i'm the kind of person that will engage them and so i actually encourage them to ask questions because you inadvertently get in the conversations with people uh, when you're in such close proximity and you get to know what their thoughts are on certain situations and when you know being that we live in the environment that we live in in 2020 you know we're in 2019 even so I mean just for the past five years since this has been a problem Um, and and it's not that it's just been a problem for the past five years uh, going back to what you were saying before about the Patriot Act and all the uh, cameras the irony of all that is that it's actually helped us but the other side of that, because it's always a double-edged sword when it comes to the government and black people, is that it's basically in place to give them the more the opportunity, really, to monitor us more. And when I say us, I'm not just talking about us, but I mean all of us. Because uh, this whole thing with the coronavirus and, you know, how we're, you know, there's such a shortage of money now, uh, you know where this is going. And so, you know, you could question why we're going through all this stuff right now. We don't know what real numbers are. I mean, heck, all I knew is that last year before all this, I mean, and I'm talking about last year in 2019, December, November, all I was told I had to worry about was the flu. (laughs) <laughs> I've been told all of my life that I have to worry about the flu and pneumonia, especially as I get older. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, I ain't, ain't nobody said nothing about the flu to me. And I, I can't even remember the last time I had a conversation about the flu, really. But um, I tell you what, though, I tell you what, you, you might not have heard about this year's flu, but I can tell you what the president has said. Uh, the president uh, to those who don't know, his name Donald Trump. Doesn't matter if that's uh, your president or somebody else's he's president. president. He's the president. Trump the president. And yeah, so oh, oh, so man, what he's so so what he said was. Really. So so what he said was is that he was going to use the military to distribute the vaccination, and the fact that also he said that. It's not going to be mandatory. So I find that to be interesting. You're going to use the might of the military to deliver the vaccines, but it's not going to be mandatory. Yeah. Sound like a scene in a movie to me. It does. You know, it's like uh, that movie, The Crazies, when the military had that plane that crashed into the lake and then it affected all the people in the town. So now they got this virus. And then you send the military in to solve the problem, quote unquote. So, I mean, look, we as 
regular working class Americans, we never really know what's going on in the upper echelons of government and power. I mean, most people working in government don't even know what's going on. They just going to work every day, just performing a task that they getting paid, you know, money on a scale to perform with good benefits and they, they can call that notes and make sure that they kids get to football mm-hmm. practice. They, they call they call that being compartmentalized. That's what that is. Yeah, exactly. And that's how most people live their lives. So, you know, it's like most of us are programmed to just go to work, come home, watch TV, get up, when, when they get a wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah. So, you know, it's only when you start doing things like going to, you know, club meetings and doing things outside of the norm when you start realizing that there's a whole different way out there of living and so going back to um you know what we were talking about before with with the club you know being around people like that uh who invest in real estate and being around multi-millionaires and learning things that i didn't know before one of the most interesting things that i learned is that white people don't know really any more about money and finance than we know. The only difference is that they tend to have a little bit more schooling on the definitions due to their exposure to having their families historically having had the opportunity to buy real estate. Right. And so even the, you know, so, so in 2020, so there's a, there's a lot of stuff that, in 2020 and not like it used to be in the 60s. Let's be real about it, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at the average TV show or the average TV commercial and you're going to see interracial couples. You're going to see, uh, like you said, watching uh, sci-fi. You just see regular black people just doing regular shit on, on TVs. Pardon my French. But, um, yeah, I got to beat that up. But there was still um, <laughs> the remnants of a previous existing structure that was in place not long ago mm-hmm. that was um, constructed to hold black people in their place and that's I mean other than that I can't see any any other real way to call it because I mean look I'm in Detroit right now okay so I, I live in Southern California but I'm investing in the city of Detroit. I was born in Detroit. I wasn't raised in Detroit, but all my family is back there. So I've studied what happened in Detroit. What happened in Detroit is common about what happened in every major city in America. The problem with Detroit is that it went broke because factories were booming during the wars. You're talking about the turn of the century with the Industrial Revolution, the World War One, World War Two, and they were having tons and tons of people moving up from the South to take these jobs. They were trying to keep the black people separated from the white people. They did what was called redlining. This is the federal government did this. Yes. Called redlining, which meant that they would mark territories throughout a city where black people can buy houses, but in other areas only. And let me guess, a place where white people can buy houses. That is what it is. Hold on. Let's, uh, I tell you what, we're going to take a short break. This is your brother Marquise. I'm down here with Alvin. We're literally chopping it up. Uh, more to come on Fireback Radio. Find us online at firebackradio.com. 
Hey girl, hey, it's your girl Alicia, the regular mama with the $5 drama, bringing you all things bling for any occasion. Shop 24-7 at goodgiftsboutique.us to find beautiful, budget-friendly, lead and nickel-free bling that makes both your heart and wallet sing. Then join me on Facebook in the Good Gifts Boutique VIP room where this regular mama brings you all the $5 drama. People all over are looking for healthier options. My first recommendation is to visit naturalfrequencystore.com. That's where you will find healthier options from CBD to weight loss. These are patented, wearable frequency technologies. So there are no messy drops or bad tasting concoctions. Everything is based on energy and frequency. So head on over to the Natural Frequency Store. That is naturalfrequencystore.com. Naturalfrequencystore.com. Fireback Radio. You can find us online at firebackradio.com. And of course, I'm your host, Brother Marquise. All right, come on back into the room. This is uh, Brother Marquise. I'm hanging out with Alvin this afternoon, and we are just, you know, we, we got into some interesting things. And the last thing we were we were talking about, we were talking about the real estate market in Detroit, Michigan. And how it it was how we were affected because of I'm not going to say little known, but at the time it was little known to us. And then it became apparent that something was going on. And that, my friends, is called redlining. Alvin, go ahead and pick up uh, where we left off. You were going to uh, take us down the path of what redlining is and how it affected uh, black and white communities. Uh, separately and then as a whole if there was such a thing as a whole go ahead yeah and it's really something that I'm sure a lot of black people that are listening to this are not surprised to hear any of this information but where white people are concerned this is something that again they don't know this stuff because they never had to pay attention to it. Now, some know this stuff because their parents were participating in keeping black people out of their neighborhoods back in the day, but let me digress and go back to the beginning. So where we left off, I was saying that the government had black people and white people coming up from the South to take all these industrial jobs in the North. So in every major city in the North, where black people and white people were coming up in droves, and especially in Detroit, they started building houses like crazy. And so they had these zones where only black people could buy houses and then zones where white people should buy their houses. Now, for a white person, they could buy a house in the black neighborhood. But they were highly discouraged to do that. And so in one case, there was a developer that came to Detroit, said he wanted to build a big uh, development of houses in a certain section of the city that was just right next door to where the black housing was. So 
the government told him that they would not give him a loan. They wouldn't help him get a loan for that because of its proximity to the black neighborhood. So he came up with the idea to build a wall between the black neighborhood and where he was going to have his new development. They approved it. He built a wall. The wall still exists today. And the houses were built and the black people were kept out of there. Now, here's the irony. So after the war was over, the factories want to change production, uh, the, the, the products that they're producing, and they want to expand in different ways. And so they don't have no room to do it because they built up all these houses around the factory. So now they're moving out to the suburbs where guess who can only move out there? You guessed it, the white people. So now black people came buy houses out there in these areas and all the jobs are out in the suburbs. So now the inner city doesn't have any jobs. Ain't no bus system back then to be taking people back and forth out to the suburbs. And so that's how Detroit became what it is today. So Detroit is just one example of many instances around America that happened during the early development of these urban centers. Well, I want to I want to throw some stuff in there as well. Now, in in those days, it was, you know, black neighborhoods would pop up, they would sprawl, they would be wonderful places to live for black people, and the government would use these tactics um and I can't think of the name where they where they use the governmental power to take land in in the betterment of the people. I can't remember what they call that. They use they they use eminent domain to build train tracks, cut right through the black neighborhoods. They they put highways, interstate highways right through the neighborhood. And I'm going to tell you guys something. If you don't freaking know, most people don't know. A lot of black people don't even know. But what's crazy is a city like Richmond, Virginia, in the historical, it asked, ask your grandparents about this. There are places all over the country. I think Kansas City might be one. Um, St. Louis might be one, if I'm not mistaken. I, I'm going off the top of my head here. Um, this is old research that I've done, but I know Richmond, Virginia was one of those uh, places where where the neighborhood was wonderful and of course the the state wanted to build a highway so they just freaking cut right down the middle and separated an entire black neighborhood from itself and literally pushed people out and installed a highway and so you you will get things like that i mean people separated by a wall separated by a freaking train track separated by a highway and and now, you know, these neighborhoods have been cut off from itself and you will have like an industrial part of the neighborhood where you can have stores. Uh, and, and, you know, back in them days, they had, you had a lot of a lot of mom and pops, barbershops or whatever. And it was sprawling. You could just walk, walk down and get your hair cut, make a little groceries, pick some wine if that's what you, you know, was your thing. And now they cut they cut people off at the kneecap, man, and yeah. and then looked at them like, "Well, why are you struggling? You you just you just gave people a twenty pound rock to hold, and then you're gonna ask them what's your problem, and then you, and then on top of that, you asking people why you're mad. We still mad, right? And and so and here's the thing. So it's like, imagine this would be you know something that that 
the average white person could probably relate to, but imagine if you are living in your comfortable um, three-bedroom, two-bathroom house in your neighborhood, in a nice average middle-class neighborhood in the suburbs, and then, uh, you know, you got a value of, you know, we're out here in, in California, so, you know, so you got a value of around like $400,000 on your house, that's, you know. Yeah. average value of a three bedroom two bathroom in California. So and then all of a sudden one day your uh property value just drops to like a hundred thousand. Just imagine that. Yeah. And then not only does your property value drop, but people at your job, and this is like the main employer in your town, all your friends start losing their jobs. Mm. And and that's part of the reason why the property value is dropping. And so you got some people that are deciding to move and then some people that are deciding to stay and they're trying to go and get other work. But some of them are on unemployment. Some of them are taking jobs for less pay and nobody can sell their house because now you've got negative equity. Yeah. And so it's like you become trapped in your own house, in your own neighborhood. And then all of a sudden, you know, and, and all your friends are losing their jobs, so you can't borrow money from anybody that you know, because everybody that you knew from your friends to your family were tied to this one employer in the town, which was tied to the second employer in the town. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, now some of the grocery stores are closing because, hey, not a lot of people are coming in. Some people on food stamps, so they can still come in, but it's not like it used to be because people are moving out of the area, you know, the... um tax base ain't there for the city so the city is putting less attention into that area as far as the police are concerned they're letting potholes come up in the streets without fixing it because they're not contributing to the tax base and and the other thing too is uh it's it's always a situation where you got to have a boogeyman for this thing there's always a boogeyman and we historically have, now, when I say historically, I'm talking about from the time they let us free to right now, we have been the, per, the proverbial boogeyman and, and that, that would always tear down a neighborhood. I mean, and, and that's just by us showing up. At least that's what they want you to believe. It's like, oh, that's well, what they want you to believe. yeah, here yeah, come, man, here comes black people. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here, here comes, look, here comes black people. Here comes black people and there goes the neighborhood. And they used to have some shows, uh, television shows back in the day to where they're like Archie Bunker. He will tell you that to your face. Yeah, they're moving in. It's time for us to move out. You know, they're going to tear. I mean, and, and it was bad real estate wise. And they would be very vocal about we don't want you in the neighborhood. And it's and, and then you didn't do anything. And that goes back around to um the imagery that we have been portrayed as. And that's why I was so happy that sci-fi actually stepped up their game. And I'm very happy to say that sci-fi gave a great representation of who we are as a people. We're not all thugs. We're not all gangsters. We're not all out here trying to sex up every woman. And that's, that's a very, uh, interesting stereotype. And that's probably why it's probably why folks uh, are, are, you know, people love us and they want us. And you said something earlier about having a white person at the black meeting. This is the thing. This is the thing that I have a problem with, with white people, white people historically 
have gone to a land, learn the culture of the land and take it back home and, and, and recreate that culture and then claim it for their own and then spread it around as if they were the ones who initiated, initiated it in first place. How do you think Christopher Columbus said he discovered America? You can't discover something that people are already sitting there wondering, who are you? (laughs) You can't discover that. But yet he gets credit for discovering America. And we in 2020 still buy that, even though it's been proven to be false. So with all that, with all that being said, man, and I'm going to go ahead and cut it short here, but um, with 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 football and and the policing and everything else, we are living in a a unique fantasy right now, and people need to really kind of think about where they are and what they're watching and what is being portrayed on television, and then what is being uh, portrayed just generally in the media, and then you have to question everything. Even, even because, you know, part of the reason, and I tell people this, it's, it's probably not true, but part of the reason why they don't want me in a church is because I question the validity of everything that they talk about because some things just don't make sense. And I have to ask questions because when I was a kid, I was that shy one, believe it or not. I was that shy kid. I didn't say much. I just kind of took it the way I, t- you know, sh- my mama used to tell me, just be quiet. You might, you might hear something, but I need for you to listen. So I listen and now I've, I've learned some interesting things by just listening to what people have to say. So with that being said, do you, do you have any last thoughts? Yeah, just, you know, just one thing, the one point I wanted to make real quick, man, is that, you know, the way that racism will continue to be spread is that if white people that don't understand what the reality is for black people if they would just simply ask but the problem is I think that most of them are too scared to ask because they think that they'll be viewed as racist so instead of just making comments and assuming that you know keep in mind that everything that you know about us for those of you that you know, are not a racist, you know, claim to not be a racist, understand about us was interpreted, was basically presented to you through an illusion that wasn't necessarily true. And so if you go through the world with that understanding, then you can basically have an open mind talk to us, don't assume, don't make stupid comments on Facebook about how racism is over, because black people just honestly just think that a lot of white people are just gullible and ignorant, and for the most part it's true, because you don't know the game that's been played on you, but we understand it because we live it, and that illusion that's going on on TV right now with the NFL and with all the sports and all that, that's there to keep you calm and keep you focused on something else that doesn't have anything to do with anything that's part of the real game. Go ahead. And, and I want to thank 
thank you for for uh, allowing me this time, brother. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, ladies and gentlemen, and for those, I, I want to put a definition on ignorance before somebody gets offended. Now, everybody out here is ignorant of something. And specifically with white people, if you've never lived the black lifestyle, you don't know. And living the black lifestyle doesn't mean that you've necessarily lived amongst black people. You almost have to be in the skin or you would have to like I have a few white friends. They have black children by adoption uh, or, 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 you know, they may have played in the in the other grass and now they have a black mixed baby. And and if they didn't understand before this, once they had that child and saw racism as an active participant and, and, and racism and prejudice. I mean, there, there's a lot of intermixing words that, that play on one another. And, but people don't realize, you don't realize how ignorant you are until you come up into a sick, a situation and you're like blown away. Like, wow, I didn't know how stupid, didn't know how ignorant I was. So, so don't be upset when somebody calls you ignorant. Right. Take a break. And don't think that equality means that we going to turn the tables and start whooping y'all and then and, and have you up on a post and, and getting revenge and all and what the hell this is about no no it was never about that no no it's always been about one thing it's just hey people are just people yep but you got to understand a man's history to understand where that man is right now there you go and you've heard it here first in the room with brother Marquise hanging out with Alvin as we are just talking about it brother more to come on fireback radio find us online at firebackradio.com find us on facebook twitter instagram all over the place this is uh brother marquise signing off